the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The title of the message today is We Are God's Masterpiece. We Are God's Masterpiece. During the Great Depression in the early 1930s, a panel of speakers, including Clarence Darrow, the distinguished attorney and professed atheist, were addressing a meeting of people from Chicago's South Side, most of whom are black. The economic conditions were at their worst. Money and jobs were scarce. And Darrow used that fact to point out the plight of black people. He summed up their woes, concluding, and yet you sing. No one can sing like you do. What do you have to sing about? As quick as a flash, a lady in the audience shouted, We have Jesus to sing about. And her response was followed by many amens, yeses, and that's right. Uncharacteristically, Darrow for once was lost for words. For he was face to face with that which cannot be rationalized, hardly even talked about in human terms. That is, people who can sing through tears and above their fears because they know Jesus Christ and understand who they are and what he has called them to be. As Christians, we are more than what we think more than what people think about us. There are times when some of us here are tempted to believe that we are of no value, no significance, especially when we see how other people uh, act and treat us. But I'm here today to tell you this morning that if you are a child of God, You are somebody special. You're so special and have such a high value to God that when you became a Christian, though though, um, you did not realize it, that the angels of heaven put on a party to celebrate your salvation. If you're a Christian this morning, you are worth more to God than the entire universe. It is not what society says about you or how it treats you that is important ultimately. It is what God Almighty says. And he tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, not 10, but 8. He says, now if we are children... Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
And my understanding is that a co-heir shares equally in everything. So that means we are destined to share Christ's power and glory and dominion in the ages to come. I don't understand it all because it is beyond our finite mind for us to grasp all that is meant uh, by what Paul is saying. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, brothers and sisters, we are of great value to God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul paints a marvelous picture of the Christian as God's masterpiece. And uh, there are just three points. Uh, First, Paul says we are trophies of God's grace. We are trophies of God's grace. And in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 9, Paul says... But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ, in order that in the coming ages... He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So the question is, Why did God choose to save you and to save me from the bondage of sin? Because he wants to make us living trophies of his marvelous grace in Christ Jesus. It's in spite of what we are now, in spite of our failures, in spite of our sins. One of these days, God is going to put us on display before the angels of heaven as evidence of the power of grace. See, God has in mind for us possibilities far greater than anything we can imagine. What we have already received or experienced is only a mere trickle of his grace. As Paul says in in verse 9, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You see, Paul is saying here that if we are genuine believers, it is entirely the result of divine grace. You cannot earn grace. You cannot deserve it. Grace means unmerited favor and is the unmerited action of a generous and loving God who chose to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. If I did not earn it, then I cannot boast that I'm better than anyone else. As Paul says in another passage, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm now a child of God, a special person, a person with great value. 
greater than the, all the things that I see around, around, around me. But I cannot brag or boast about how good I am, for in the absence of grace, I'm nobody. You see, without grace, I can do nothing. Without, unless grace helps me, I cannot make my journey. When I have grace, I don't need the media to tell me who I am, that I am important. So when I have grace, I don't need a large bank account or connection with important people to make me feel that I'm somebody. So when I have grace, I don't need the approval of the world to have self-esteem and a sense of personal worth. So we are saved by grace through faith so that we will be able, we will not be able to boast in the presence of God. And yet we are all prone to boast about our achievements and to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But God has a way of cutting us down to size. Sometimes he sends affliction so that we might learn our weakness. Sometimes he allows us to suffer loss and sorrow so that we might learn how helpless we are. Sometimes he removes us from our positions of power or influence so that we might realize we are not indispensable. Fellow believers, what we are or have achieved, we owe to the grace of God. The second point Paul is making is that we are God's masterpiece. Look at verse, at verse uh, 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, Paul calls us God's masterpiece, uh, according to the uh, New Living Translation. In the NIV, uh, he calls us God's workmanship. And in the, New, in, the, in the Jerusalem Bible, he calls us God's work of art. Isn't it thrilling to know that even though the society may treat us like dirt, even though the Supreme Court once ruled that black people have no humanity worth def defending, that we are God's work of art, his masterpiece that is still in the process of completing. Oh yes, there are many rough edges that, uh, that uh, must be sanded down by the Almighty. There are stubborn wills that must be bent in conformity to God's will. There are character defects that must be smoothed out. There are besetting sins that must yet be conquered. But Paul is saying that in spite of these obvious flaws and weaknesses, the divine craftsman is at work producing a marvelous masterpiece to be displayed in the gallery of eternity. You see, God is at work in your life and mind to produce perfect specimens of redeemed humanity so that his wisdom, power, and love can be demonstrated not only now, but in the age, throughout the ages of eternity. For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, says Paul. 
the most important fact about a Christian is that he or she is a new creation, a new creature. God, the omnipotent creator, God, the great potter, God, the great workman, has brought something into being in our life that was not there before. That is what makes us Christians. We have the life of God within us. We have the spirit of God abiding in our mortal bodies. Apart from this fact, we have no right to call ourselves children of God. Paul says in Romans chapter uh, 8 and verse, verse 9, And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. As I think of my Christian life in this world, I think of it not in terms of what I am doing, but in terms of what God is doing in me. You see, right now, the hands of a great workman, a great creator, is working in me and upon me to make me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he cannot make me like Christ without putting me through the fiery furnace of trials, troubles, and tribulations. You see, these things are part of the divine process designed to perfect us so that one day we can be presented without fault or blemish before his throne. You see, when you feel like complaining, when you feel like giving up because life is tough, remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's a tough and terrible time for faithful pilgrims. It's an age in which sin abounds, violence is rampant on our streets, and hell is on the loose. But God has given us in his word some comfort. He tells us in Psalm 37 and verse 1, Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither, like green plants, they will soon die away. And then in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, so don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessings at the appropriate time. You see, know that Paul uh, further um, tells us about the design that God has for us. And so he says, God has saved us to do good works. That's the third point. God has saved us to do good works. Look again at, um, at uh, verse 10 of Ephesians 2. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. That was the New Living Translation, but from the New International Version. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, uh, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God has not saved us to sit back and do nothing. 
we are saved from sin to do good works, works of kindness, works of compassion, helping one another, meeting one another's needs. There is a task, an assignment for each of us who know Jesus Christ, if we call ourselves Christians. God has prepared our assignment, not just when we became Christians, but long before we became Christians, God planned an assignment for each of us. Maybe it is to sing in the choir. Maybe it is to give spiritual leadership as a deacon, a deaconess, a Sunday school teacher, a trustee, or a member of a ministry. Maybe it is just to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord or to offer hospitality or encouragement to some tired and, and uh, battle-worn pilgrims. Oh, it does not matter what the task is. The point is we are saved to do good works, to honor God, to be involved in ministry, to be God's hands and feet in the world in which we live. So Paul in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady, always enthusiastic about the Lord's work, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Now John Newton was a tough sea captain who commanded a slave ship transporting human cargo from Africa. On a voyage across the Atlantic, his ship was caught in a terrible storm. Somehow he knew that if the ship was to be saved and if he was to be saved, God would have to save them both. And so he called upon God in that hour of need and asked God to save him. The storm subsided and Newton returned to home a changed man, a person who had met Jesus Christ as his savior. He gave up his career as the captain of the slave ship, became a minister of the gospel, and worked with the English parliamentarian William Wilberforce in his fight to end the slave trade that he was a part of. As someone whose life had been transformed by the grace of God, he was led to write that famous hymn, which we love to sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. But he also wrote, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. Amen. I'm so glad today that it's God's amazing grace that delivered us from spiritual bondage, that made us part of God's wonderful family, that opened our eyes to the truth and placed a song of praise in our, in our lip, on our lips, and that enables us to resist the evil one. You see, this grace has seen us through many a difficult moment. It has seen us through many a trying hour. It has seen us through many a discouraging day, many a painful experience, many a sad occasion, and many a dangerous circumstance. It is this same grace that is even now fashioning us 
as a divine work of art, God's workmanship, God's masterpiece. And if you have not experienced this grace, let me tell you that it is sufficient no matter who you may be. It is sufficient no matter where you may live. It is sufficient no matter what you may have done. No matter what situation you may find yourself in at the moment. And no matter how poor you may think you are. So amazing is God's grace that it can keep you calm even in the midst of a storm. In the midst of a crisis. It can keep you hopeful even in the midst of despair. It can keep you rejoicing even in the midst of sorrow. It can keep you uh, or give you assurance even in the midst of uncertainty. And it can keep you satisfied even in the midst of hardship. You see, God's amazing grace can lift you up when you're down. It can strengthen you when you're weak. It can comfort you when you are disturbed. It can help you when you are helpless. It can protect you when you are in danger. And it can give you the determination to keep on keeping on. And in conclusion, let me say that whatever the future may hold for you, his grace will be sufficient. Whatever trials you may encounter in life, his grace will be sufficient. Whatever method of death awaits you, his grace will be sufficient. Whatever problems may yet come your way, his grace will be sufficient. Whatever hard times that life may yet deal out to you, his grace will be sufficient. And however rough the road may be ahead of you, his grace will always be sufficient. Because I'm convinced as John Newton was this grace has brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home amen and amen three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary Flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal Flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.